Glory to God. God is good. All the time. Something there is that doesn't love a wall. So wrote Robert Frost in The Mending Wall as he recounted the story of his relationship with his neighbor. The forces of uh, the elements had caused his wall between their properties to deteriorate, but Frost, for his part, didn't care. The neighbor, on the other hand, said again and again, remember, good fences make good neighbors. It's nice to have uh, some boundaries in our lives and for people to observe those boundaries. But for my part, it seems to me that we are better at building fences than we are at demolishing them, better at erecting them than at eradicating them. I remember as a small boy seeing the Iron Curtain, seeing the Berlin Wall and recognizing the disparity between the peoples on either side of that wall. And I remember as an adult the people dancing on the wall with their sledgehammers tearing down that wall. It's interesting. Did you see in the Wall Street Journal last year that not everybody knows that the wall has come down? An interesting story about two populations of red deer. One lives in the Czech Republic, the other lives in Germany, and never do the twain meet. In fact, they have tracked them. One, one particular deer is sort of a, a microcosm of the whole experience. They call her, do you know, Bambi. No, I'm just kidding. Ahornia is her name. A hornia was tracked 11,000 times, coming right up to the brink, but never crossing over into the Czech Republic. What's interesting about that, they say, is that this deer was born 18 years after the wall, the fence, came down. And there is great incentive to go over into the Czech side because there's a, a natural preserve there, beautiful lush meadows that would be perfect for the herds to come together. Somebody, they don't know who, they don't know why, but for some reason the deer will not cross over. More astonishing than that, 2,000 years after Christ came and destroyed the wall of hostility between people and God and between people and other people. Even two millennia after Jesus destroyed the wall, we live in a world where people are still building walls between themselves and God, between themselves and each other. But today, that could change, at least for us, Would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. We've been studying the book of Ephesians. We'll look at verses 11 to 18 this morning as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Let's stand together as we read God's Word, speaking our peace, speaking our peace. Ephesians 2, verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. 
Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. But God, you remember those two words from two weeks ago? But God, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, now Paul says, I want you to remember. Why? I want you to remember the way we were before Christ. And then he comes again to this beautiful adversative where he says, but now. As if to say, the work of God in our lives in our church, in our world, will not wait. But now, it's true, he says, you were on the outside looking in, always wanting to get on the inside, but now, not someday, not pie in the sky in the sweet by and by, but now, Jesus Christ has reconciled you through the blood of the cross and torn down the wall. He tore down the wall of hostility between us and God. And if you'll receive it, the walls of hostility between people. Because if we all come to God through Jesus Christ, we will discover that we are marvelously together. To come to Him, if we all come to Him, we will find that we have all come to one another. I mean to say that what Christ did on the cross, bearing the hostility for all the sins of all of humankind, was enough to empty us of all of our hostility. And can you believe that the same peace that we celebrate with this supper the same peace that we have with God, the same power that gives us peace with God, also gives us peace with one another. Notice first that in this table we recognize that we have found peace with God. It came at the highest price. He says, you were, you were on the outside looking in. There was no way you were getting in. You were, he said, you were separated from Christ you weren't citizens of Israel. You didn't have the covenants of promise. You were without hope. And you were without God in the world. You were godless. You were hopeless. 
That's who you were before Christ. He says you need to remember that lest you leave somebody on the outside looking in. Remember what it was like to be on the outside. Let me tell you, the Gentiles in Paul's time, they knew what that was like. They've, in excavations of Jerusalem, discovered signs in Greek and Latin that were there in the time of Christ, in the time of Paul. And do you know what they say? They were signs that they put in that external court of the Gentiles because the Gentiles were not allowed to enter into the temple. And the sign simply said, let no person of another race pass this barrier, this wall. And if anyone does... He has only himself to blame for his death. It's not just if you cross the wall, you'd be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. You cross the wall and you die. That's why they got so mad at Paul. I was reading in the book of Acts this week. They said he took a Gentile with him. He didn't really, but they said he took a Gentile with him. Let me tell you, he had done more than that. They were worried that he might have taken a Gentile into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was supposed to live. But now the Holy of Holies was living in the very Gentiles with whom Paul had proclaimed the message. And the good news for people like us is Christ's reconciliation works for us so that we're no longer on the outside looking in. There in Central America is a a group that is working with the children there, feeding them. A pastor up in Dallas, Matt Chandler, told how how he uh, went down there to see and they um, established an area and began to take care of the children down there, the orphans in that area. And he went one time and then he'd been away for a while and he came back and he said there was a, a sort of wall built around that enclosure where those children were being cared for by the members of his church in Dallas who were sending the money to care for those children. But he said the other children in the area had built a ramp up to the wall because they so desperately wanted to get into that place. You know what it's like to be on the outside looking in? Do you know what it's like when you get on the inside? That's why we eat this food. That's why we drink this cup, as a reminder to remember, to celebrate, to dance on the wall, as it were, because the wall between us and God has been broken down. I was coming through our children's area this morning, you know, Philip and Sean, Lester, and, uh, and as Sean was there with uh, her camera, and she ran over to me, her phone, and she showed me the picture on the front of her phone. She said, this is Roman. Our nine-month-old son who lives in Russia, whom we've never seen, but this week we get to go and hold him for the first time. And I looked at that. I haven't been able to get it out of my head all morning. And I was thinking, Roman has no idea how much he's going to be loved. He has no idea how much he's going to be loved by these beautiful parents by this church family that embraces children. And if you can understand how much Philip and Sean love that little boy, you can understand how much our Heavenly Father, who has adopted us into His family, loves us with an undying love. But I came this morning to tell you, the same power that broke down that wall between us and God is the very same power that is active to break down the barriers between us and each other. And our forgiveness of others flounders, Miroslav Volf says, when we exclude our enemies 
from the community of humanity. We think of those we don't like as less than human. And at the same time, we exclude ourselves from the community of sinners. That's why we need to remember that it's not just those people over there who are sinners. It's we people over here who are sinners. And Paul makes it so clear in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He says, we are all sons of God. Everybody's saying that in our culture these days. It's very popular to say, we are all the children of God. But let's be more specific. Paul says, we are all the children of God. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. That means that we who come to Christ discover that we have one Father and we have many brothers and sisters in Christ. In our congregation, 25 different nationalities are represented in one family of faith. This is the work of God. He always intended it this way. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when he told Abraham, I'm going to really bless you. I'm going to really bless you, he said, so that you'll be a blessing to all the nations. That's the beginning of the book. In the end of the book, I read this week in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, John sees this great multitude and he says they are from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and every language. And all they can sing about is the Lamb who was slain for them. No wonder D.A. Carson says the church is not made up of what you would call natural friends. No, we are made up of natural enemies. We don't have necessarily common origins or common language or, or common economic situations. What we have is the blood of Jesus Christ which calls for our common allegiance to Him. So in Christ, He says, there is no, there is no Jew nor Gentile. There is no slave nor free there is no male nor female there is no cowboys fan or texans fan for we are all one in christ remember that at three o'clock this afternoon remember (laughs) at the end of that game we are all one in christ the good news is we can be reconciled to god the better news is We can be reconciled to each other. No more bumper sticker wars. No more battles over who's right and who's wrong. We come to Christ and find that we are together. I love the story. It's called the straight story about two brothers named Alvin and Lyle Straight. And they hadn't talked for ten years And then Alvin found out that Lyle was very sick. And he had to go see his brother. Problem, 500 mile distance between them. No automobile. No money to buy a plane ticket. How would he get there? On his riding lawnmower, he got there. 500 miles he rode. Imagine, on a riding lawnmower to see his brother. And when he got there, do you think his brother forgave him for past uh, discretions, indiscretions? Do you think his brother forgave him? His brother walked out on the porch and said, you rode that all the way here to see me? I have a friend who says, when Jesus came down from heaven, he came 
from a mighty long way just so that he could reconcile us to God. And in reconciling us to God, he could reconcile us to each other. You feel like you need to speak your peace, P-I-E-C-E. You need to have your say. No, speak our peace, P-E-A-C-E. And how do we speak our peace? When we say the name of Jesus, we speak peace. 1 Corinthians 11. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you preach. You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for the bread which reminds us that the body of Christ was broken for us, that Jesus was nailed to a cross, that His blood was spilled, that they pierced His side and the blood and the water flowed out, that He wore a crown of thorns and endured a severe beating so that He was not recognizable. Thank You that His body was broken so that we might live. Thank You that His blood was shed so that we might be reconciled to you and to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.